listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey, hey, welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle. Today's going to be an interesting episode because I, as usual, didn't actually script anything, which I never do, but I usually write down bullet points. And as I was doing this episode, writing those bullet points, I was thinking about so many other things. So this might be an episode that starts out small and ends up big. I don't know. We'll have to see as we go along. But the impetus for this episode, the reason that I decided to record this topic, which I'll share with you in a moment, is because I've spent the last probably year really reconsidering what I wanted the business of baking to be and what I wanted to do with it. You know, the face of our industry has changed a lot. People out there talking about business has changed a lot, which by the way, I think is a good thing. We need more people out there talking about the business side of creativity. And my life has changed a lot. And so it's meant that I've had to really look at the business and how things run and make some decisions about what I'm going to do with it and what I'd like to do with my future as well. You've heard me talk about the fact that I've bought a second book in the making. And you've heard me talk about the fact that this year I'm not traveling to teach, which has been a really big part of my life for quite a long time. Time. So things have changed a lot. And so it stands to reason that the business will change a lot. And I've also been speaking a lot to a lot of my students who are finding that their businesses are pivoting. So they started out in one direction and now they're heading in another. And sometimes that happens because you get interested in a different product, like Miranda, who I spoke to on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed her. She talked about how she started out as a cake pop maker and now she sells edible art paints. So it's kind of related, but not exactly. So pivoting is something that happens a lot in a business. And this has recently happened for me. One of the things I really wanted to tell you that I'm very, very, very mega excited about is that I decided to unleash the Kraken, so to speak, or actually open the vault is more accurate. And I spent a lot of time taking all the courses that I created and kind of hiding them behind a little bit of a wall making it so that you could still access them, but you could only access them one way and you could only access them every six months. And while that plan worked really, really well, I've decided that I want to do something differently. So I'm really excited to share with you guys that now if you go to the website, if you go to thebizofbaking.com and you click on the top where it says classes, you are going to find a whole lot of amazing things that I have created over the years, which are now available to you. Now they range in price. Some are, you know, $20, something like that, $25. And some of them are quite expensive. There's one called the All Access Pass, which is pretty amazing because it involves months and months of doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching with me as well as all those classes. So there's a lot of different options and in different ways that you can work with me. You'll find everything in there from one-hour masterclasses on a single topic to things that are a lot more involved. There's pricing classes and classes on marketing, and there's, there's things that include both those things. So go and check it out. Go to thebizofbaking.com and click on classes at the top, and you'll see all the options. So I've now made these available to the general public, and I've put them in a much more affordable way so that hopefully this gives you the opportunity to do some ongoing learning with me. And I support all those classes myself, meaning that if you've ever got a 
question along the way or you're not sure about something, it's not a problem. You just email me and let me know and I'll help you get through it. So check that out. I'm really excited to be able to be offering those in a different way now. And I have to tell you that my personal favorite class in that is one that is probably a little bit left of center. It's called the 30 Days of Awesome. It was the very first thing I ever created when I left the bakery. It has since been updated and modified a number of times, but it was my absolute favorite, favorite class. And it's a dollar a day, so it's $30 to join. And the way it works is that it's got a section on work. It's got a section on life and it's got a section on play. So bringing those two together and every day it's an email from me filled with a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of some practical help. And there's an activity at the bottom of it where you can get involved with me and let me know how your progress is going. And it's really fun. And I wrote that whole class from the heart and it's about business. It's about who you are as a person. It's about a whole lot of different things. And I really love it. It's one of my most asked for classes. When I came out with it originally, I was like, who's going to buy this thing? And people totally bought it because they wanted a little bit of Michelle love bomb in their inbox every day. And it's turned out really well. So you can check out the 30 days of awesome and all the other classes that I offer at thebizofbaking.com and you just click on classes at the top. So that is how I have pivoted most recently. And today's topic for the podcast is kind of around that stuff. It's a list of things I didn't expect when I decided to run my own business. And I don't want this to be negative by any means. Some of these things are positive, but it's kind of like the stuff I just never anticipated. The things that after the fact, I'm like, oh, of course it's like that. But during and before getting into business myself, just stuff that I honestly had no idea about. And the interesting thing about this for me is that I grew up in a household with parents who ran their own business. There was never a time in my lifetime anyway that my parents worked for other people. They always worked for themselves and they worked together. So I had a lot of experience of what it looks like certainly from a family point of view, to run your own business and do your own thing and the financial stressors that came with that and the big victories that came with that because certainly there were lots of those. And I grew up in a family that had a small business background. And so when I was compiling this list of things that I found surprising or I just didn't expect about being in business, I kind of laughed about them because I thought to myself, maybe if I'd been paying a little bit more attention to what my family was doing, I would have noticed these things or maybe not, you know, who knows. So without further ado, here is my kind of unofficial list of things that I didn't expect about being in business. Now you should know this list is in no specific order. It's just stuff that I kind of dumped out of my head. And it's probably a little bit of a reflection on the stuff that I've been kind of thinking about lately as I'm choosing to make my own changes in business. I know a lot of you out there who've listened to the podcast are making those changes, are thinking about, do I open a shop front? Do I close my shop front? Do I stop making kids cakes and only make wedding cakes? Do I start offering, you know, fondant cookies in addition to my beautiful royal iced cookies? Do I get a commercial space? Do I expand at home? Do I shut it all down and go back to being an accountant, right? There's a lot of pivot decisions we have to make in life. And I think that's a pretty scary place to be quite often, but it can also be a very exhilarating and exciting place to be. So here's the stuff I didn't expect. The first one, and like I said, this is in no specific order, but the first thing I didn't expect about owning my own business was the push and pull of parenthood. So I've spoken about my kids a lot on this podcast. I even interviewed my daughter, Claire, back in season one. 
And here's what I mean by that. When I originally pursued my own business, I wasn't really thinking about the fact that it allowed my life to be flexible for my kids. That was certainly a positive thing and I was happy about that. But the reason I pursued business was not them. They were certainly one of the reasons why I continued in business, but they were not the reason why I pursued it in the first place. And what I mean by that push-pull thing is that I was continually frustrated by my inability to effectively manage both. Now, I found a lot of ways to raise my kids and my business at the same time, but I didn't expect how much I would constantly be wanting to be more of one or more of the other. So when I was with my kids, I struggled to be fully present with them because I wanted so much to be running the business. And I saw my need to make money and my need to be more stable and my need to spend time with them as almost a limiting factor. Now, in retrospect, my opinion of this has changed. But at the time, in the moment, when I was in the thick of it, I was frustrated by the fact that I had to choose to limit my business progress because of my obligations as a parent. It went the other way too, though, that when I had times when I really wanted to be with them or I wanted to take time off or I wanted to be fully present for them, I had work obligations, business obligations, which meant that that was somewhat challenging. So it was kind of, I just, yeah, I guess I didn't expect that there would be that constant push and pull between Michelle, the business owner who wants to do amazing work and absolutely like rock this thing. And Michelle, the mom, who knows that those children are only going to be small once and who really needs to kind of make some hard choices about how she spends her time. So I just wasn't expecting it. You know, I just didn't think about how difficult that balance would be. And I think what I'm really referring to here is the emotional balance within myself more than anything else. So from a practical point of view, I think I did pretty well. Actually, I did a whole episode about this called Raising Babies and a Business at the Same Time. So you can check that out if you haven't already. So from a practical point of view, I think I did a really good job of that. Where I didn't do a good job of that was it took me a long time to accept, although I did eventually, that I chose to be a parent and I chose to be a business owner. But that meant that at certain times in the creation of both those things, I was going to have to sacrifice one for the other. And so I didn't expect that. And I didn't I guess, plan for it well. And I did eventually come to a place where I was able to understand and deal with that better, but I certainly didn't expect it. I recently spoke to somebody who's actually in a similar situation. She said, you know, I love being a mom and it's great, but what really lights me up at the end of the day is my business and I love it. And she went back to work when her, she's got four kids, the last of two are twins who I think, I think are eight weeks old at the moment. And she was like, you know, I'm here working with eight week old twins and two slightly older kids and people around me think I'm crazy, but the truth is I love it. I love my business. I love my work. And so I'm trying to find a way where I can kind of come to a place of peace in myself that I'm both things and that's totally okay to be both things. So yeah, that was an interesting conversation I had with her because I'm like, oh man, I feel those feels for sure. Another thing that I didn't really expect about owning my own business is that the cost of business was higher than I thought. And I'm referring to both money and time. So let me tackle the easy one first, which is the cost of business financially was higher than I thought. So I like many of us started out in this business, like making stuff for family and friends and just like buying sugar and flour at the supermarket with my normal purchases. It was totally like not a big deal to do all that. Right. And I didn't really feel the costs. And then when I was like, Oh, I want to do this as a real thing and make it a real business. 
I suddenly started incurring costs that I had no idea about. So I needed a website and that cost me some money and I needed business cards and that cost me some money and I needed to do some marketing and that cost me money. And I just had no concept of the fact that costing out a business is something I needed to do. I just, I just didn't know that. I mean, you know, registering the business name with the government also costs money. There's a, a yearly registration fee to do that. So financially, I didn't really understand that there's a cost of running a business which is higher than I expected. And that actually carried on over time. So when I moved into my first commercial kitchen, you know, I didn't understand that that had a cost to it in terms of I had to pay movers to move the mixers and the tables and the whatever. You know, I didn't understand that I suddenly needed to pay for pest control and I all of a sudden need to pay for an alarm guy or whatever. And then when I moved the business from the commercial kitchen into the more traditional cake studio or shopfront situation, there was again a whole lot of costs that I just didn't know about, right? It didn't occur to me to think about those things. My favorite example of that is that I wanted to have a little A-frame sign out the front of the business, like a little whiteboard sort of sign, which said like, you know, come in for your whatever's, or did you know we do wedding cakes or stuff to that effect. And I put a sign out there, a little A-frame sign, and I didn't, which by the way, there's a cost. And I didn't really think very hard about it until one day somebody came in from the local municipality and informed me that having that sign out there was illegal because I needed a permit to do so. And I had to pay for that permit. And from memory, it was like, I want to say like $230 literally to have a sign out on the sidewalk. And I'm going, are you for real right now? Another cost I didn't expect was a window cleaner. So the store had, and it wasn't, remember, it wasn't a traditional store. It was just a studio, but we had obviously floor to ceiling windows because it was on a high street. And it didn't occur to me that $20 a month, I'd need to pay a guy with a big long stick to squeegee my windows. So I just didn't really anticipate all the costs of running a business, both at home for the short period of time I did it and running it. And the other cost I didn't expect was time. And so this, in retrospect, I was honestly just, pretty clueless. I didn't think about the fact, and why this is embarrassing, by the way, is because I'd been a chef by then for quite a while. And I didn't anticipate the fact that I would be working when other people were playing. So on a Saturday morning, when other parents were watching their kids play football or soccer or taking their kids to ballet or whatever, I was standing there waiting for people to pick up and making phone calls being like, hey, can you pick up your order? And I'd be delivering stuff and taking it to all kinds of venues and setting up cupcake towers and whatever. I just didn't think about the cost of that. I didn't think about the cost of not getting rid of, that's not fair, but investing my free time while other people were having their free time. You know, friends would go out on a Saturday night and to be honest, I would just be wrecked. Even if I didn't have any deliveries to do, I would just be falling apart at the seams. Like I can think of nothing worse than going out to eat Thai and drink with my friends. I just want to crawl into bed with like a pillow and a blanket and a mug of tea so big I can swim in it. That's what I want to do. (laughs) And so I didn't really have an anticipation for that the cost of doing business was also about my time. And I should have known that, right? When you work in hospitality as a chef, as a waitress, whatever you do in hospitality, That's kind of the price you pay for working in that crazy, amazing environment is the fact that you will be working while other people are playing. And I just didn't think about that. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get my Sundays to myself and my Saturdays to myself. And yeah, wrong, wrong, wrong. Now, in the end, I learned the lesson of developing boundaries and setting boundaries for myself and making sure that I actually did things in a much more responsible way, for sure. 
But it took me a long time to realize that by going into business, I was choosing to sacrifice my free time and also choosing to kind of put on hold a lot of my kids' activities, a lot of the activities with my friends, that kind of stuff. So point number three, and by the way, I'm not saying any of this to like turn you off with small business. It was and still is one of the most incredible experiences of my life, which I would give up for nothing. But I definitely had some things I just didn't know to expect. And I like to think that everything I do, the book, the blog, this podcast are about teaching you and kind of, you know, making sure that you go in eyes open into what you're doing. And so for me, this is a way of just sharing those experiences and saying like, hey, this is what I didn't know. So be forewarned, right? What's that expression? Forewarned is forearmed or whatever, something like that. Okay. So third thing I didn't know about being into business is that getting clients was going to be harder than I thought. Oh man. And I had to actually work on it. Like, in retrospect, this sounds so obvious, but at the time I really had a, like, if you build it, they will come sort of attitude to this whole thing. In part, it's because of the way I started my business. You know, I started my business by just bringing cake to work and, you know, doing a class for fun, a Wilton level one class and making stuff for my friends. And because they loved me and they wanted to be supportive, those people were I mean, just unbelievably amazing. And I, in my head, was like, all my friends and family are going to order for me. All my workmates are going to order for me. Like, this is just going to be so easy. There's just a ton of people. And as soon as I hang up my shingle, all these people are going to absolutely want to order for me and love me and be all over this. And I just didn't think that hard about the process of, one, needing to go out and get clients. And two, the understanding that, like, those people were going to dry up eventually, you know, they were there, which will lead me to my second point in a second, but just, I don't know. It didn't occur to me that I needed a marketing budget. It didn't occur to me that I needed to try selling to strangers. It didn't occur to me that I had to find an audience beyond my immediate circle. Now, obviously on some level I understood that, but I think I thought I'm going to start this business and that word of mouth is just going to go like gangbusters. Now it is true for some people that that happens, that the word of mouth really does grow their business at a rate that they're happy and comfortable with. And certainly for me, that's what kicked it off the ground. Absolutely. But it wasn't what kept it going. And I learned super quick that those people were great, but they were not the people on whom I was going to build my future business, which probably brings me to the next point of things I didn't expect. I didn't expect that as soon as I hung out my shingle, my family and friends were going to run for it. No, they didn't like actually run for it. It's not like they saw me coming down the street and they were like, ah, and like cross the road and <laughs> like hit the street. It wasn't like that. But it really was a case of like, they were supportive, supportive, supportive. And then like, as soon as I started charging properly, suddenly I outpriced myself from them. I mean, they couldn't really afford me or they were expecting something for nothing or I think they were well-meaning, but they kind of ended up taking advantage of my well-meaningness. You know, I'd say, oh, instead of giving you a present, why don't I just make the cake for the party? And then that cake would end up some, you know, four-tier gold leaf, I don't know, incredible creation that was 12 times the price of the mixer I would have bought them had I just bought something off their registry, you know? So it was really a case of not understanding that my family and friends were not going to be my customers. And more than that, they really shied away from it too. 
Because once I started charging properly, once I was no longer practicing at my skill, once it became an ongoing real business, well, I had to behave like an ongoing real business. So I couldn't just whip together a dozen cupcakes on Friday night for an event that was, you know, an hour from then. I couldn't just, I guess I couldn't take as many liberties as they needed me to take. And that was a really hard lesson to learn that they were ultimately not going to be my customers. Absolutely, they got the ball rolling, don't get me wrong but they were really not the people on which I was able to hang the rest of my business. And, you know, kind of a side note to that is when you go into business, you begin to understand a couple of things, not just that your family and friends are not your customer base, but that you don't really need them for that. So I sometimes see posts on social media in support groups where people say, my cousin got married and she didn't even ask me to make the cake and I'm really offended. Uh, I guess to me, that's a sign of somebody who still has a little bit of immature thinking about who their customers are. Because for me, I learned very early on that while it would be nice to do something nice for my cousin, when I go to that wedding, I just want to be on the dance floor rocking out to that 80s music that that DJ has got going on. I do not want to be glancing over my shoulder 85,000 times to see how many people are commenting on the cake and then sit at the table sheepishly while a thousand people go, did you make this? Wow, this is amazing. Oh my God, you're so talented. It's so beautiful. Like, oh my God, this wedding is not about me. I don't want people talking to me about this. Or even worse, not saying anything and keeping my mouth shut and having people around me eat this cake and like make commentary and I have to bite my lips so hard it practically bleeds as I listen to them say it's either good or great or terrible or whatever their opinion is. So the hard lesson I learned that I didn't expect to learn was that my family and friends were not my clients. And the second part of that is I didn't want them to be my clients. I so much wanted them to fill other roles that were way, way, way more important, right? And that only became clear after quite some time. And if I had to say there was, you know, there's kind of like another part to this, which I think anybody going through a major life change has experienced, which is that you learn who your real friends are. You learn who's really there for you and who truly wants to be a part of helping you grow this thing. And they're not the people who order or don't order from you. They're the people on whose shoulders you can cry. They're the people who bring you dinner when you're just so bone tired. They're the people who listen to you rant about that crazy customer you had. They are truly the people who provide a lot of love and support. They are not the people who are wanting the discounts or who are complaining that you showed up to the event and didn't bring 25 different things, who are you know, otherwise good people but aren't treating you as nicely as you want. And I think often when we go through major life changes, you know, the loss of a loved one, or maybe a positive change, like we decide to start training for a marathon or something, or we open a business, or we close a business, or we get divorced, or we get married, or whatever. In big life events, I think that's often the time when people who are truly on your team show their true colors. That's the time when they really kind of come to the fore, and you really understand who's there for you and who's not there for you. And that, for me, was an unexpected lesson in business. I thought everybody loved me and was going to support me and be like, yeah, rah, rah, you go, Michelle, woohoo. And there were plenty of people like that. But there were plenty of people who turned out to be not supportive at all or who just kind of disappeared. That's the other thing about owning a business is that when you are achieving something that other people find daunting, 
sometimes they kind of disappear off the face of the planet for no reason other than honestly, it's hard for them to imagine them doing it. And so as a result, they kind of resentfully ignore you. That sounds terrible, but they kind of, because they feel kind of crappy about the fact that you're achieving something that they wanted to achieve, they sort of exit themselves from your lives. And they don't necessarily always mean to, but sometimes they do. Reminds me a little bit about when I went through IVF to conceive my kids. And when I was going through that process, I didn't have any problem hanging out with people who were pregnant or talking about it or whatever. I was okay with it. But there was friends of mine going through the same thing that I was going through who simply had to absent themselves from events where they knew, you know, their pregnant cousin would be, or they knew that babies would be running around. They just found it all too difficult. And it's a little bit like that when people see you achieving a dream and going after something you really want, sometimes it's just too hard for them to fathom. And so they just kind of exit stage left from your life and you're left wondering what you did wrong. And the truth is nothing. You didn't do anything wrong. Okay, let's move on from personal relationships and let me tell you about something else I didn't expect about being in business. This one's hard for me to admit, actually. And the truth is I didn't expect how hard it would be to take leaps. And the reason why I didn't expect how hard it would be to take leaps is for a couple of reasons. Is One, I pride myself on being brave, on being bold, on making hard decisions, on making quick decisions. I am big on like, this isn't working. Let's try something else. You know, let's just go for it all in, jump in the deep end, rip the bandaid off, whatever euphemism you want to use here. But that's 100% who I am. And so I just didn't expect that once I got into the business, once I took the big leap of getting into the business, I didn't expect that like further leaps later down the road would be just as hard, if not harder. And again, I'm somebody for whom leaping is like breathing, right? I don't generally speaking find it all that difficult, but I found that much, much, much harder. And it's also because I very much had a false belief that if I did stuff in my business, if I was the only one who did things, not only could I maintain control, but by doing it myself, it was either free or cheap, which is absolutely a myth. That is a freaking myth. It is rubbish to believe that doing it yourself means it's free. Yeah, it's free in terms of you're not paying somebody else's salary or you're not paying somebody else's invoice, but it is costing you time, it is costing you money, and it is costing you opportunity. I didn't get any of that at the time. And so there were a whole bunch of leaps I could have and should have made that I didn't make because A, they were really difficult to make, harder than I anticipated. And B, I thought it was free if I do it myself. If you are listening to this, let me tell you, doing stuff yourself is not as free as you think it is. It really just isn't. On the surface of it, it's free because it's not necessarily an exchange of actual cold, hard cash. But if you dig just below the surface, you'll find that you as the business owner, being the person who washes the floor every night, is not necessarily the most valuable use of your time, right? When you could be getting somebody else to do that. Now, washing the floor is not the best example, but you could apply this to bookkeeping. You could apply this to, you know, covering flooding cookies. You, you could apply dipping apples. You could apply this to just about anything. There are so many things we do as business owners 
because we don't want to lose control and because we think getting somebody else to do that thing will cost us money that we can't afford. So it's a myth. But the lesson I didn't realize is that I was going to get stuck in certain decisions much more often than I thought I would have. So if I looked at it ahead of time, I would have been like, oh my God, I'm such a quick decision maker. I'm good at making, taking leaps. I'm not afraid of anything. I've got this thing. And in reality, when I look back now at the business, there were so many things that I hung on to because I got stuck and it was to the detriment of my business. So I'll give you kind of a really easy example. I had an unbelievably wonderful employee who was a great decorator. She really was a wonderful baker and great friend. And she repeatedly asked me to teach her how to do edible images. So how to print them and then mail it off, not for our own use, because I used to sell it to other people. So she was saying like, Michelle, I have extra time. I'm happy to be the person who processes those orders, prints those out, gets them out in the mail. Like it doesn't just have to be you. And, you know, similarly, if I need an image for a job that we're doing, I could always do that for us as well, you know? And she asked me repeatedly and repeatedly I kept saying, yes, I know that would be great, but I don't have time. I'm too busy. Yeah, it's too hard. Look, I really need you in the kitchen. Man, I had every excuse under the sun for why I did not upskill her into that. When in reality, it's not that hard. You upload a photo or whatever, you adjust it a little bit, you hit print, and then you put it in a mailbox and or mail envelope and off it goes. But I was stuck in that not wanting to get rid of control, worrying I'd have to pay her more to do these things. I just had a position where I really did not empower her and therefore did not empower me to move forward at all because taking that leap of letting go of control of that thing was really, really scary for me. And subsequently for the next owner of the business, she went on to do that and a lot more. She took over a lot of admin. I mean, she's an incredibly capable woman. And yet I was kind of dampening her down by not getting her to do those things. And also I was kind of keeping my own progress more static because I didn't have the time to go and do stuff because I was doing stuff like printing edible images. I mean, just plain ridiculous, honestly. So I really learned that lesson that I thought the leap of going into business and going into a space outside of home was the biggest leap I was going to take. It was one of many. It was one of many and I didn't anticipate that and I didn't know how hard it would be to take some of those future leaps. So that is a lesson I learned that the leaps keep coming. Some are small and some are big, but the leaps keep coming and they don't necessarily, some, but they don't necessarily get any easier as you go along. Some do and some don't is probably how I look at it now, I think. So, you know, it's always interesting for me to walk down memory lane and think about the bakery and think about if I did it now, would I do things differently? And not a word of a lie, like at least once every other week, I find some product that I suddenly want to go into business with that product. <laughs> because I think, you know, if I know what I know now versus what I knew back then when I was young and stupid, how much better choices would I make? And the truth is, who knows? right? Literally, who knows? Who knows if I'd make it work or not make it work? I do actually think that if there is another business in my future, it's probably a product related to it. I don't know what it is. Just because I'd like to have the experience of a business that has a non-custom product to it. So watch the space. Maybe I'll end up opening some other business somewhere down the line with some sort of cool product that I don't really know. But anyway, and I'd like to say that one of the great joys for me about doing this podcast is that I get the opportunity to think about 
what those days were like and how things have changed and how I've grown and how the people around me and the industry around me has changed and grown. It's, it's often a delight. I actually love doing this podcast. And the solo shows are often hard for me to think about in terms of, you know, what am I going to talk about for all that time? What would I like to talk about? And then invariably, once I pick a topic and I start writing down the bullet points, I start to really think about those things. And it makes me happy to think about that. So there you go. So that leads me to my next thing. Thing that I didn't expect about being in business is how proud of myself I was going to be, but also how much I had to learn to share that pride. So I was unbelievably proud of what I have achieved. You may have heard me say in the past that every day I walked into the studio, I used to open the door and just for you know, a few seconds, I used to stop in the doorway and I used to breathe in and I used to breathe out and I used to really feel immense gratitude and immense pride for the fact that I made this thing happen. You know, it might not be the billion dollar moneymaker. It might not be perfect. There might be things I want to improve. But the fact is every day that I was there was a day that I made it happen. You know, every day you slide on that apron is a day you made it happen, you know? And so I was hugely proud of myself, but I was terrible at sharing that pride. I built something from nothing and I really needed to learn how to give myself credit for that. Now that giving myself credit was difficult for a couple of reasons. I think one, women in particular are taught not to brag. So it was not in my nature to kind of tell people about my achievements. Secondly, other people often made me feel small about my business or, or more accurately, I let them make me feel small. They weren't actually doing it. It was my emotion that was interpreting it. But anytime people would say to me, oh, how's your little cake business doing? Or, oh, are you still doing those cakes? Just felt like I was two inches high, you know, because I worked in cake. I wasn't working as a rocket scientist or as a, you know, engineer building giant bridges or something. I struggled to feel like what I did had value and had worth in the world. And so anytime somebody sort of condescendingly was like, oh, how's that little cookie thing doing? Are you still doing that? I just felt crappy about it. When what I should have felt was a whole lot of pride because I achieved a heck of a lot and I made people happy day in and day out. And I don't know very many people whose jobs are all about making people happy. And all of us who work in the food business, we're about making people happy. You know? Okay. There's the odd person out there who complains and has a bit of a thing about they don't like whatever we made. But in the main, the work we do is fun and creatively fulfilling and interesting. And we make people happy all day long. I don't think this is a bad thing. And yet I'd get the odd person who'd be like, oh, how's that little cake thing doing? And I, well, in addition to wanting to punch them, I also felt like just what I did didn't have that much value or worth in the world. And that's a pretty terrible attitude to have. And so this one, what I didn't expect is I didn't expect just how proud of myself I was going to be. And I also didn't expect that one of the lessons I'd have to learn, or I guess one of the skills I'd have to learn was being proud of that and sharing that pride and not hiding my light behind a bushel because other people didn't think cake was important. You know, the truth is all of us out there who are running a business of any kind, whether you're a painter, whether you're an accountant who owns their own practice, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a cake maker, or a sock sewer, I don't care what you are. You know what? We're doing something a lot of people don't necessarily ever get to do in their lifetime. 
There are so many people out there who will never ever take the leap into business, who will never ever take the leap into a side gig, who will never do anything but work for anybody else. And that's not a bad thing, right? We all make different choices in our lives, but we get this opportunity to do different or to do things to our own standard or our own way. And that's an enormous privilege and an enormous thing to be proud of. And so I didn't expect just how proud I would feel. And I also didn't expect how much I needed to get a lot better at sharing that pride. And when people used to say to me, hey, Michelle, how's business going? I almost always answered negatively. I'd be like, oh, you know, it's pretty rough. Or, oh, it's going okay. Could be better, of course. Like I always answered with a slightly negative undertone to it, you know? Or alternatively, if business was going terribly and I was just trying to you know, impress them. I'd be like, oh, it's going great when it totally wasn't going great. So I wish I had been more truthful, not necessarily about how my business was going, but how proud of myself I was for how much I'd achieved in that amount of time. Because you know what? It was a lot. And any of you listening to this, you have a lot to be proud of. You really, really do. By simply going out on a limb and selling stuff to other people and sharing your skills and talents with the world, whatever it is you make or do, you know what? That's brave. And bravery is something to be proud of. So I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that I'd be so proud and I didn't expect how hard it would be to share that pride. Wow. You know, thinking about this stuff is hard, like I said before, but it's certainly true. And honestly, this past six months has been a really challenging one for me personally and professionally. And just hearing myself say that, that I'm proud of myself for having achieved so much, that's a lesson I need to learn and remember right now, actually. Probably a lesson I need to learn every day because when we are in a bad place, be that, you know, on a home front or on a work front, It's really easy to dismiss your achievements. It's really easy to be like, yeah, I didn't do anything that great. It's so easy to forget just how amazing we really are and how we have achieved a lot. And sure, maybe we're not getting as many orders as we want or we misquoted on something or we stepped wrong doing something or we broke something or something fell down or we said something on social media we shouldn't have. You know, we're all human, but that doesn't mean we don't have a whole lot of things that we should be super, super, super grateful for and incredibly proud of. And so this is a good lesson for me to remember today, right now, as I think about the fact that so much has changed for me over the last six months or so, that I still have a lot to be proud of, even if there are also things that I'm not proud of it doesn't erase the ones that I am. You know, you can be both. You can be both. I had a chat not that long ago with my kids about this. They are in 12th grade and they're graduating this year. And that means that by December this year, I will have no children in high school anymore. Everybody will be, we all graduated and done. And I get asked a lot because they're triplets. I get asked a lot if I'm sad about them graduating high school. And the answer I always have is that, uh, yeah, I'm sad, but I'm also really happy. And people don't seem to understand that. And my explanation is that it's a bittersweet experience for me. I'm so proud of them. They've achieved so much. They've worked so hard. This is such a big milestone for them and for our family as a whole. And so I'm really happy for them. But at the same time, I'm sad because my babies are growing up and this is a chapter of their lives that's ending and they're going out into the wide world where their life is not dictated by homework assignments and bells ringing and teachers calling me to say what's going on. And, you know, they're going to achieve a level of independence, which is scary. 
adulthood is a little rough sometimes, you know? So I'm both happy and sad about them finishing 12th grade at the same time. And it's kind of a bittersweet experience. And so business was like that a bit too, you know, there were so many things I was proud of. And at the same time, there were so many things I wasn't proud of. And then I think I could have done better or done differently. But at the end of the day, those things don't cancel each other out. You can be incredibly proud of yourself and thrilled with all the things you've achieved while still harboring some fear or regret or worry or whatever about something that you're not proud of that didn't go well. You're allowed to be both. You have permission to be proud of yourself and not at the same time, sometimes about the same thing, you know? Sometimes you can be, for example, let's say you have an order that just goes wrong. I don't know, it breaks on the way or it falls over. You know, you can be really embarrassed and not proud of the fact that it fell over and went wrong, but proud of the way you handled that situation. So I think you can feel more than one emotion, often conflicting emotions about the very same thing. So there you go. Dr. Michelle is in, and that is my psychological lesson of the day, that you can feel conflicting emotions about the same thing in your business, both pride and a little bit of embarrassment or, you know, whatever. And the last thing... The last lesson I learned or the last thing I didn't expect about owning a business is how much I would lose all perspective. Now, the gaining of perspective is something I teach a lot. Everybody who's ever sat in one of my class talks, you know, has known that I talk about perspective a lot. Man, oh man, I had no perspective. I felt like that business was going to go on or the exhaustion of that business was going to go on forever. I was so in the moment all the time. It was hard for me to think about marketing things that were months and months into the future or think about stuff that was like, you know, a year from then. Like people used to put in deposits for events that were like six months in advance. And I was like, man, six months feels like forever. Six months goes in the blink of an eye. We just don't realize it. And I just didn't really have a handle on the fact that what I was experiencing, both good and bad, was intense and a little bit bonkers sometimes, but it was that moment. It wasn't my life, you know? And I look at it now and I'm like, oh man, when I was in the thick of it, it felt like things were never going to get better or were never going to get worse or whatever. And then, you know, life changed. But I just didn't have that perspective. And I was thinking about this today, how the bakery and all that, that part of my life ended four and a half, no, five years ago now that I sold it and I moved on to do the business of baking full time. And I just had this like moment where I was like, wait, five years have passed? What? How is that a thing? What do you mean? And I had this, I had to really kind of go through this shock and awe moment where I'm like, oh my God, that, what? That feels like so long. And I ran the business for a decade, for 10 years. And now 50% of that time has passed in which I didn't run the business anymore. And instead I ran this business, which was the business of baking. And I just had this like absolute mind-blowingly like what the what kind of moment. And it's because when you're in the thick of something, whatever that thing is, it feels like that is all there is ever going to be. And you lose all sense of perspective and 
all sense of timing. It's that thing where, you know, the good news is that nothing stays the same and the bad news is nothing stays the same, right? And so I didn't expect that the business itself, even though it went on for 10 years, would make me lose all perspective about my life. And I saw an article recently, which was all about like something like 20 famous people who didn't achieve their life's work until they were after they were 40. And it's like Colonel Sanders came up with his chicken recipe at age 63 and Martha Stewart didn't get into food and wine or whatever until she was 40 something. And Oh gosh, I can't remember all the examples, but there was like a lot of really well-known famous people who didn't achieve things until they were well into their 40s or even 50s and beyond. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This means that I'm not that old. I still have lots of achieving years ahead of me. I can still do a bunch of cool stuff. This career isn't over. I can choose different. I can be different. I can find a new path. I can start again. Like you're going to have multiple lifetimes, you know? Or like I was recently speaking to somebody who was telling me how she just celebrated her 25th wedding anniversary with her first, sorry, with her second husband. And I said, oh, how long were you married to your first husband for? And she's like, oh, 20 years. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) It feels like two gigantic lifetimes. And in fact, I said as much to her, I said, does that feel like a lifetime ago? And she said, yes, absolutely. That first marriage feels like it was a lifetime ago. And in reality, it wasn't. It was just that chapter of my life. And so I didn't expect that the time that I would be in business would be so long and yet so short all at the same time. And I really perspective ran away from me a little bit. When you're in the thick of something, it's so easy to feel like this is what it's going to be all the time. It's always going to be hard or it's always going to be good or it's always going to be whatever. And we lose all sense of perspective, you know? So I'm in my, in my young 40s now and I'm like, man, I actually have like a whole lot of lifetime still to go. This is not over. I still have a million things I want to achieve and a whole bunch of stuff I want to succeed at. And that was part of my life, but that certainly wasn't my whole life. And so the business made me lose perspective, but I guess you would say that now I've gained it back again. So maybe that is a good thing, you know? And I guess the last thing that I wanted to share with you guys is I recently heard a quote. I was listening to a podcast. Gosh, which one was I listening to? I think it was an Oprah one. And she quoted the author Maya Angelou. And she said that one of the most profound lessons that Maya Angelou taught her was a really simple one. And it goes like this. When you know better, you do better. And I've had that quote rolling around in my head pretty strongly ever since I heard it. It was only a couple of days ago that I heard this. And I think it's something that would help all of us when it comes to our business and help all of us when it comes to perspective. When you know better, you do better. And in part, this means that you cannot look backwards all the time and beat yourself up about the decisions you made that you're not happy with or the choices that you should have made different. Or, you know, if I could do it all again, here's how I would do it. You know, it's another way of saying like hindsight is 2020. But I think what it's really saying is, Don't look backwards and beat yourself up for the person you were then because the person you are now knows better and therefore she can do better. And it's really true, not only in a practical sense, right? Now that you know how to pipe that macaron, you can pipe it faster. Yes. But it's also true, I think, in an emotional sense. You know, if you have somebody in your life who is difficult or toxic and you come to realize that that person is not going to change and they are who they are, so you know better, 
then your interactions with them, you can then do better. And it was such a profound realization to me that over the course of my business, as time went on, as every day went by, I learned more and I learned more and I learned more. So the more I learned, the better I could do. And I find that thought, that concept, that when you know better, you can do better. I find that concept unbelievably comforting because it's also a reminder for me about the future. What I don't know now and what I'm struggling with now, sometime in future, next week, next month, next year, next decade, I'm going to do better because I'm going to know better. So it's a very, to me, profoundly comforting and a hopeful idea that when you know better, you do better. So a little bit of today's podcast episode is about those things I didn't expect because going into the future, of course, then I'm going to have the opportunity to know better and then do better, right? So the experience of being in business has been so interesting to me and I've just learned so much about myself and I've learned so much about other people and I've learned so much about running a business and it's just been an endless learning experience, but it's really just beautiful to know that because I've learned more, you know, I know better. That means that now I can do better. This doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfect, you know? It just means that now I have the opportunity to move forward. And so I wanted to leave you guys with that thought. And maybe in part, today's entire episode is kind of sponsored by that concept of when you know better, you do better. Because although all those things, you know, being frustrated by the push and pull of motherhood, that the cost of business was going to be higher than I thought, that I had to actually work at getting clients, that my family and friends were not going to be my clientele and I needed them for other things, that taking leaps was going to be hard and that being proud of myself was going to be both one of the best things I'd ever done and one of the hardest things I'd ever learned how to express and that getting perspective was going to be hard. You know, all of those are things that I didn't expect. But once I learned them and I lived through them, they then profoundly impacted the way my business grew after that and this business has grown after that. And so they were life lessons that I'm going to carry forward with me from here on in, right? So it's easy to look back and go, oh my God, I so messed that up or I so screwed that up or I could have done that better. I should have done that better. I should have known better. But the truth is you can only do what you can do with the knowledge and skills that you have at the time. So let me just leave you with my Angelou's thought because I think it is a really, really beautiful one, which is that when you know better, you can do better. I hope that you have found that as inspiring and as profound as I did. Let it roll around in your head for a while and see what conclusion you come to. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening to me. I appreciate you more than you know. And if you've got a chance, I'd appreciate you leaving a review for the podcast. You can leave that on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use to listen to me. I'd really appreciate a review so that other people know I'm here and hopefully they too can be inspired by what it is I have to say and what my guests have to say. And you should know that I love doing this podcast and thank you so much for the feedback. Recently, I've gotten a whole lot of really awesome emails from people thanking me for this. And so it's really nice to hear that too. And that counts as well. So if you don't want to leave a review, but you just want to send me an email and say hi, you're more than welcome to. Thanks for listening to today's show and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.